music in life is life and life what yeah one of the most important lessons i've learned in life through studying music is that life is music and i see music everywhere and it's taught me pretty much everything that's most important in my life what do you mean by you see music everywhere what are you breaking it down to be that everything encompasses that fits into this this type of definition that you have for music oh well (laughs) there's i don't know okay there's about a hundred examples i could give you the one i often lean on most is that when humans talk we are singing our conversations beautiful most, I mean, that lands with me yeah most people don't realize it but if we slow oh if we slow down our speech and listen back to it with an ear for music we would hear that the notes are going up and down unless Tone, we're infliction, yeah unless harmony. we're unless we're boring mm-hmm. monotone talkers who don't have any inflection but a normal human is singing their conversations and so music is built into us and wow. then how beautiful is that? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I train my ear pretty hardcore, and when I listen to people, I hear melody first. And then there's rhythm, because there's a pacing. Are you talking really fast, or are you really slow? God. So there's rhythm and melody. Are there some people that you listen to that are just insufferable? Oh, yes. There is the shadow side. And, you know, (laughs) there's a shadow side to pretty much everything. And so, yes, it's a blessing that music has gifted me such spacious awareness of existence. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the dark side of it is that I hear so sensitively that when somebody's talking in certain ways, I won't get into, but just the sound (laughs) of it, like, I can't even be around them. And feel the same way. My attunement to sound and how people communicate whether are they talking or are they communicating but when they're talking that can be very harsh yeah like they could be saying anything or talking at a low pace but they're loud like they're very their presence is kind of like like these two choppy. guys that were here just before. yeah just <laughs> just choppy and loud and like their move your the movements are are sloppy and yeah yeah and sometimes it's just like oh god like I need this out of my sphere. Yeah. Um, I wonder what that is. Do you think it's just, can you, can it be just chalked up to a lack of awareness, a lack of self-awareness? Oh, yeah. Because I'm self-aware, and here's why I asked that. I'm self-aware, but you have a specific attunement to how language and words and stuff flow. So I could, I can't attune to everybody and please everyone. So there's that kind of like other side of, well, I'm just going to be myself, but I also can understand that that's not going to, you know, we could say vibe with everybody, and I might be harsh for somebody else to listen to, in the same way that somebody's harsh for me to listen sure. to. Sure. Yeah, it's always a balance, like everything. Uh, I'm with you 100%. Like, I'm, I think I'm very self-aware, and whenever I go throughout a day, anywhere, all the time, I am actually thinking of my steps and my walking quietly mm. I don't want to take up too much space but I'm not making myself small see the balance yes I'm not making myself small I'm inhabiting my body and space with 
with humility and gratitude. And you're conscious of in inviting whatever energy and essence humility and gratitude have. Yeah, in, yeah, like, and I'm not going to be a bother on anybody else. I'm not going to invade space or be disrespectful. So not on purpose. No, not on purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's what I mean by like a self-aware, like, because people will go just drive and consume and, and be self-aware, and it's kind of that thing we were talking about about talking about something versus embodying it. Embodying self-awareness is that attunement to your surroundings and taking up space, but keeping yourself clean keeping it clean, your energy clean, so it's not all over everybody else, um, to some extent. So, yeah, that's very interesting. So what kind, what kind of voice do I have? What's the melody that you hear from my voice and tone? Well, well, it was honestly something I was wondering about before coming to Colorado and meeting you here, because we met up to uh, do some podcast. Mm -hmm. um, podcasting. Podcasting. Some casting. Uh, and so I was like, well... But we had had a video chat, and so I knew that yeah. your voice was okay. <laughs> <laughs> and fortunately, is you have a very nice voice. Uh, it's it's just really just kind of straightforward, and cool. yeah, there's some melody and smoothness to it. Cool. When I get sick, it gets really raspy and nasally. Yeah, you don't want to podcast when you're sick. Kind of gives me, I don't know, kind of gives me like a little bit of an edge. Okay, there's a couple of things I need to run by you while we're talking about this. Okay. Because this is a subject that consumes me. Go. What is it? For the last couple out. of years. Hopefully process. What is and it? I talk about it with <clears throat> my wife, uh -huh. um, but I don't talk about it with a lot of other people. Okay. Um, there's a couple of ways that people talk a lot. I've noticed over the last couple of years, and it drives me crazy. Okay. The first one is what's called upspeak. Have you heard of that? No. It's, yeah. when, it's when people end a sentence as if it were a question. <laughs> so it yes. goes like a hockey stick, it goes up at the end. Okay. This bothers you? It bothers me deeply. Why does it bother It's a very you? Southern California kind of valley girl kind of thing. Okay. 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 <laughs> so why does this bother, like, is it just unpleasant for your earballs? Just... Plain and simple, it's unpleasant for my earballs, but it also <laughs> communicates because mm. we are communicating more. Okay, before I get back to upspeak and the point number two, I'm, you might have heard this, and I think your listeners might find this interesting. In psychology, or I don't know what it is like in the social psychological world, the, the people in that industry, they say that communication matters most uh, through the melody of our voice, what's being communicated and understood. Mm -hmm. And the second most important thing that's communicated is through body language mm -hmm. or physiology. Mm -hmm. And the last thing of importance in what's communicated and understood between two people is the content of our words. Mm -hmm. But see, that's usually upside down. People think, well, what I'm saying is really they should understand. But no, subconsciously <laughs> people are hearing your melody and mm -hmm. watching your your body your well, we're just dogs like if i'm exactly <laughs> if i say wow david wow you look really scruffy today you look really scruffy you should probably shave your beard i'm kind of like being an asshole but i'm saying it in a way that might be super friendly yeah. and you're listening to the offness of and the disparity between the content, the content and the, and the words and the tone that i'm saying yeah. 
Or I could say something really nice at a really kind of melodramatic low tone, and you're like, I don't know if you mean that. That's when we say, how are you? And somebody says, fine. Yeah. It's like, you don't mean that. So I think intrinsically or instinctually, we already know when people aren't communicating what they're actually feeling. And that, it's like, what? it's not a big deal. This is where becoming a communicative leader comes into play, is not being afraid to say, hey, I noticed your tone doesn't quite match what you said. Do you want to talk about that a little further? If you have the capacity to do so. Otherwise, take it for face value and be like, whatever. Yeah. I, there's nothing I can do about that right now. But I don't think people are tuned in enough to what they can do about it or if they have the capacity to do anything about it when they hear that. So it just bothers them and then and then kind of sets the tone for any time. Well, why would I ask how anybody's doing at a networking event when they're just going to lie to me? And then that is their experience internally of communication with others subtly in different ways of this like this disconnect and tension between well they're just going to se- if I ask somebody what they're going what they do for a living, they're just going to tell me their job and and then it's going to stay surface level and I hate small talk because people aren't communicative leaders with the skills to take anything further. Yeah, exactly. So And that incorporates, you know, reading body language, under but I think tone is way more important. Like if you can hear the tone of somebody because then that's like that's a phone call, that's videos. You can't see everything in body language, so even being good at understanding or interpreting eye contact is kind of it's all limited but tone is something that you know we kind of all you can't really lie about the tone of your experience your internal experience exactly tone gives it away more than body language and certainly more than words you got it that's it i would say so and so that's one of the reasons why this upspeak bothers me Mm. it it also to me speaking in upspeak (laughs) i mean it's okay to do it occasionally when you're sure. asking a question but like, like i think i just pe- did it you did a few times but you were asking questions and but when <laughs> people do it habitually and every sentence goes up yeah, yeah. i mean it drives me crazy but yeah. because it conveys what does it convey what does it, convey? it conveys that they're not really sure mm-hmm. of what you know there's, there's mm-hmm. a lack of confidence or something okay yeah, so okay. upspeak bothers me for that reason the second thing that consumes me that i need to run by you <laughs> is vocal fry. Don't know. Haven't heard See, that? I don't have any... I don't know what somebody's going to come to me with. This is why somebody would assume that I know all these things about communicate. Oh, you're a communication coach. You're going to know what this stuff is. Well, this That's could, a misconception. This could be a handy tool in your kit then. Uh, vocal fry is the technical term for when people speak and their voices sound like they're frogs or something. It's croaky. Huh. It's like, um, I have a hard time doing it because I have such an aversion to it, but it's like, it's like, oh my god. Yeah, I really have no idea what this um, is. Well, look it up, and there's like... I wonder if we should move into Rome. You need oh. to close your windows.
raindrops might not be good for your audio. Nope. It's better in here. Super monsoony. Yeah. Um, okay, we had to re okay, so, recalibrate. <laughs> okay, so vocal fry is kind of like I'll try and do it uh, when. Pe <laughs> oh, like like chain smoker situations. It's like it's like their uh, vocal cords are are pinched. Burnt? Pinched. Okay. Yeah. That sounds um, awful. Yeah. Uh, I'm having a hard time doing the impression. I'm going to do a better train impression. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but vocal fry, um, you can look it up. There's examples on I'll YouTube. I'll look it up. Yeah, I'm interested in that. Well, I mean, I'm not a vocal coach. I'm a communication coach, which is kind of encompassing all of it. If somebody doesn't like the way that they upspeak, for example, since we know what that one is, then it's like, well, you can go out and watch YouTube and... Uh, somebody can tell you how to address a thing or you can read something but how does somebody help you and give you feedback and kind of hold your hand through a new embodiment of a different way of being well I have, that's the thing I have a perfect real-world example for you yeah go my wife before she was my wife like it was within the first two years we were hanging out <laughs> and she developed this habit of speaking and up speak oh, and vocal fry is this why it was such a sensitive yeah okay well dreadful combination when you pair those two together believe me <laughs> and so it became excruciating he loves her don't worry i do <laughs> and uh see i have uh pictures of us that's what's up so um <laughs> so i i couldn't even stand to listen to her anymore and i remember one day we mm -hmm. were driving in the car and i and for weeks i was dreading bringing it up with her because it was uncomfortable yeah how totally because your to your question i was like how do i communicate this to her in a way that's loving because yeah. at the time she was really sensitive to sure. like criticism who wouldn't be she just wanted especially that kind yeah she just wanted praise and stuff but i had to deliver this criticism yeah. so one day driving in the car she was talking and Ironically or synchronistically, we drove by this one sign that said uh, what creek we were crossing, and the crossing was uh, Fry Creek. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's a sign from the universe. I have to tell her right now. So I interrupted her, and I said, I forget how I said it exactly, but I tried to be as sensitive as I could. I was like, honey, listen, I need to tell you the way you're speaking, right? I mentioned the vocal frame, you're up speak. Yeah. She started crying. Oh, gosh. It was yeah. horrible. She started crying for like five minutes and stuff in the silence, just her sobbing. Sure. And I was like, I just, because I'm trying to be a good man and hold space for sure. my lady and all women and, yeah. and men too. And so I just let her cry. I didn't say, oh, don't cry or nothing. I didn't try and stop yeah. that process. Yeah. I just let her cry. She used to cry a lot in our early relationship. She doesn't anymore. I think she got it all out. Oh, nice. And maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm nicer too now. I don't know. But so when she stopped crying and she was then ready to hear it, over the course of two days, she opened up to that and realized mm -hmm. that she was 
talking like that. Yeah. And uh, then she was able to become aware of it. Yeah. And then stop doing it. Wow. Because I showed her YouTube videos of people talking about it. And then I, um, you know, just gave her real world examples that I could find online. And she's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't like the way that sounds. Yeah. Yeah. That's an, um, that's a really, um, <clears throat> a beautiful way of like, we, mm, I don't necessarily believe in unconditional love and acceptance to some extent, like, of course, it's a nice idea and concept, but we're humans and we're fallible and we have preferences for better or worse. And communication is the way that we navigate relationships with accepting that we have preferences. Like, that's the thing to accept about ourselves and each other. So your ability to, at some point, and I'm sure she has things and preferences about you that she's shared over the time or here or there about ways of your your being that she's wanted to have feedback on or say something about right less than me but yeah so yeah maybe. <laughs> yeah and maybe you're just saying there's people in the world like you and, and potentially me that have I don't want to call them standards I want to call them preferences because of the things that you were saying earlier about your developed and cultivated attunement to things that's a subjective experience like there's no one that can be like, well, this is the right amount of preferences to have. And it's like, we just have them developed or, or around because we develop them through our own personal lived experiences. So that's the first thing. Um, preferences being okay and being acceptable and embracing them in yourself and then finding a way to communicate that you have a preference or something to say to somebody else, which is what you did. And then the holding space thing, which is amazing. And then that final piece of over two days, it was a conversation where you held her hand through lived exa examples of what was happening. So it wasn't just you. It's like she arrived at, that's it's not a, a great thing that I like yeah. on, you know, in it. And kudos to your wife as well for getting it out of her system, crying and having, letting herself have that emotional response first. And then also being open to the feedback that your lived experience has attuned you to that she didn't notice. Yeah, the, the crying went on for a couple of days and I waited patiently because patience is actually my middle name. <laughs> I waited to give the further feedback until her emotional process sure. went through. Because, that, how beautiful right? is that? Yeah. yeah. I didn't say, listen, you're doing this up speaking vocal for I think see these YouTube videos yeah that that's a not. good that's a good clarification of the process of giving and providing that feedback that's nice um, because yeah we need to be gentle yet assertive if we're going to have functional relationships I do believe that and I you know communication is the way that any of that happens and unfolds but yeah preferences not a big deal you don't have to walk on eggshells about about things especially when a loving symbiotic mutual interest relationship is is you know arrived and you're in one you find yourself in one yeah i wasn't always a natural communicator i probably still am not but i'm yeah. I, I usually just keep things in mm. um because i don't know what i don't want to analyze it but uh <laughs> through this relationship mm -hmm. with tracy um in the early days i would just keep my mouth shut you know 
because I usually don't want to say anything. Yeah. I just process internally. Yeah. But then I realize that that's not working for yeah. her or for us, or it just doesn't work in general. <laughs> so my path of maturity, you know, is a humble one that will be lifelong. Sure. It is a lifelong continuum. Yeah. Unlearning and learning sort of that spiraling. Totally. Yeah. There's just, we just, I think we just arrive at different things with different levels. Yeah. You can open it now. Different levels of maturity about that thing. Um, communication being one of them. I am certainly not like the end all be all. You can just open that all the way. If it, it doesn't matter that it's dripping. Um, the end all be all of communication. I have struggles through and through like the rest of us. Um, but you know, when we do, you have a certain way that you wanted to navigate that. And so at some point you found a way to arrive, like get, this is where I was saying before a little bit ago about emotional and communicative leadership. You didn't want to live like that anymore. So you did something different and it, sure. I'm sure there's tons of times that it wasn't super fucking comfy, but are you, you know, are we living life to be comfy all the time and not have hard experiences? And I, I've arrived at this with a bunch of different people is what if you did live the best day of your life and communicate perfectly and have the utmost bliss? Like what would, what, what would that mean to you if you really did reach that? It's kind of beautiful that we struggle getting to something that we think we're going to enjoy or, or that will grow two people closer rather than separate them. Mm -hmm. It is a risk anyways, but I don't know. It's, isn't it worth it? Oh yeah. I, I say honor the struggles. Yeah. Um, I honor my struggles. I, I think about them often because it just makes life sweeter in some weird way. Yeah. Some weird way. And as far as relationships go back, back to mine, um, I want our relationship to be a good example of communication and leadership to other people and couples in the world mm, yeah. for a couple of reasons. One, just because I think we need more good examples of healthy relationships because, uh, I don't know about you, but I've seen so many examples of dysfunctional, unhealthy relationships. Yeah. Um, where uh, I see it all the time where two people get together for a little bit and they break up, get back together again. Uh, hell, I went through it in my 20s. Yeah. So I want to be a good example because maybe you're the same, but my parents weren't a good example of that at all. Divorced yeah. early, yeah. arguing all the time. Yeah. I don't like all that stuff. I just want more... Symbioticism. Harmony. <laughs> harmony. I use the word harmony a lot because of the whole music thing. I like harmony. I like rhythm too yeah. when it comes to people and their different lived experiences. Finding a rhythm together. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something to note about, you know, the times that we live in about uh, communication is that we kind of have to, uh, kind of have to table what we think and feel communication in particular. And I don't mean to also have it like we were talking about communication again all of a sudden but you can talk about your travels too oh um or anything else you want to talk about this podcast is free flowing yeah so but that that last bit is like people in their 60s are learning how to communicate right now too mm -hmm. we have mental health 
wellness and awareness that we didn't that no one up until now has had we there are things about the world that have improved exponentially and continue to improve and access to resources and therapy and counseling and the stig the resources increasing with the stigma decreasing is something unique to literally right now for women and especially for men even though there's still a disparity between the stigma and men getting help and learning about their you know shadow side and not in a toxic I did shadow work today but it's like a fuck like that was a moment of shadow work I'm really like that I got a face and um I'm just gonna go take care of that <laughs> like it being a very functional embodied without needing to talk a lot about it like just you know let's just quietly work on ourselves because that's how the collective will improve right we are all individuals inside of a collective anyways and we see that play out and now that's the power of adjusting how we experience the world from our internal experience that I believe in. It's like my input will be my output. My ability, my friend asked me yesterday, like, how do you connect with people? And I was like, I connect with myself. I wish that it was more complicated. It's not really. The intricacies are, are different and the techniques that I use or will use are different from somebody else, but it's still going to be what it is. So I think that the last bit you said about parents, I think everyone just needs to wake up every single day with the idea that they don't know what's going to happen. They, they didn't learn how to communicate and that that's okay. There's nothing that can change about that. And start every, starting every day and every relationship and every conversation fresh in a way. Yeah. Yeah weather today is like I'm really glad we got good video weather earlier yeah that, that was, was awesome yeah that was good just had Rachel on my podcast yeah link in description yeah <laughs> plug it yeah for all four of you uh-huh. that listen to my podcast yeah I don't have any listeners no but I pre- if you are listening I appreciate you well I'm on my third podcast now Nice. One thing I've learned is just this thing of persistence and consistency and patience. Oh, I do not give a fuck. Or not giving a fuck that. is the other. That's option. why yeah. there's no editing. Like I put it on my on my new on my newsletter, which is a lot of fun because I don't want my newsletter to ever be only like only my business and only communication. Like I'm up to other things. Um, gosh. Um, yeah. So you travel, you're on, on your own right now. So that's why this is kind of a perfect situation for the podcast that we're recording now is because you're on your own. So do you have a story from solo travel over the last 12 years, you said, that you've traveled solo? Yeah, I was born in Portland, Oregon, and I lived there for 30 years, and then I left 12 years ago because I'm 42 now, Mm -hmm. so for 12 years I've been nomadic Mm -hmm. in different ways. It started with hitchhiking. Okay. Go. Yeah? Talk talk about it. What's Uh, so cool, or what's interesting, or what did you learn, or... Yeah, whatever comes up. Freebase. Freebase it. Um, 
Well, I have way more than a hundred stories, so I'll pick probably the most outrageous. Okay. And yeah. It's, and it's not from hitchhiking. Okay. <clears throat> but there was. I'll condense all the details. There was one time I was in Sedona, Arizona, and I got an intuitive hit that I was going to go to Los Angeles and meet someone who was going to change the course of my life direction. And I always listen to my intuition. So what I did was I told my brother, I'm going to Los Angeles. I quit my job there and I went to Los Angeles and sure enough, I met this guy. So I was making drinks because I used to elixir craft professionally. Okay. And so I was crafting elixirs at a conference in Los Angeles. This billionaire comes to the conference and happens to be in my line to get a drink. He likes the drink, tells his right-hand man to talk to me. So the guy pulls me aside and says, uh, Mr. Nygaard, Peter Nygaard, look him up. I'm going to look him up. Yeah. Um, link in description. No. Uh, <laughs> like Just a bunch of like links to random stuff we talk about. Um, fry voice or whatever. Vocal fry. Vocal fry YouTube video. Look it up. In link in description. So, <laughs> yeah. I love it. So, super funny. so Peter Nygaard, he says, Nygaard likes your drink. He wants you to do this for him personally. Fuck. And, and so he laid all the details on me like real quick in five minutes. He's like, what we're going to do is, I mean, do you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, I just said, yes. Yeah. Cause that's why I was there. Yeah. You I were mean, there to like God put me there. figure out what was happening. Yeah. God, whoever, whatever. So, mm -hmm. um, so he said, okay, you're going to come to Los Angeles or you're going to come to our mansion, which was right on the ocean. And you're going to do this party for us. And you're going to make drinks for all of our friends. And there was like hundreds of people at this place and it was a trial. And so of course I nailed it cause I'm really confident and good at what I do. Yeah. I make, how old are you at this time? Oh, Early 30s. 30, I was 31. 31. Wow. Okay. Cool. I mean, so this was fresh out of yeah, yeah, yeah. jumping the nest, yeah, right? Yeah. I got the intuitive hit to leave and sure enough, adventure was Portland waiting for me. to LA. Pretty much. Portland yeah. to Sedona to LA. Actually, it was L.A. to Sedona, back to L.A. Okay, okay. But whatever. I'm skipping over so many details. I know. Okay, so, because I'm getting to the good part of the story here. Yeah, yeah. So they hire me, they get me a passport, and then they fly me out for Thanksgiving to his headquarters in Times Square, New York. This is my New York phase. Okay. Okay, so I started working for him as a private chef. Wow. Elixir crafter. Um, in Manhattan, he put me up in some hotel, I forget which one, really nice, downtown Manhattan. And I'd walk to Times Square, where his headquarters are. Wow. You can still see it in pictures of Times Square. You'll see the Nygaard blue sign. Well, I gotta look this up now. Keep yeah. talking, keep talking. Oh, yeah. It still records. It Peter Nygaard. And so, yeah, it was Thanksgiving. Uh, I felt like I had finally like made it from suffering in the restaurant industry since I was 14. I finally was, yep, that's him. Wow. Yeah, he's in jail now. Why? Mm, I won't get into it. You can <gasps> Come look on, it up. No. where is Peter Nygaard right now? He's literally wow. in jail. Sex trafficking. No, what the fudge? And I saw it. Oh, shit. Okay, wait. <laughs> Go to, is this part of your story? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Oh my God, I'm gonna 
Head to my seat. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, okay, so Thanksgiving, Times Square, New York. Wait, I don't know why I'm excited about that. I th okay, to clarify, I'm excited about hearing the pit, like the story, but I am not excited about what that of aspect it, of the story was. That, oh, I'm correcting it, that. It's nightmarish. Nobody's denying that. But okay, it, yeah. the whole story itself is very stimulating. The build, yes. The Be build is what I'm excited about, not the content. Mm -hmm. That's not great. Okay, so... I thought I was on top of the world now. I was going to be a superstar, world-famous private chef. Dude, yeah. And I was 31. I was like, thank God, okay? Yeah. And so it only took three days to realize that my dream turned into a nightmare because he treats everyone, the closer you are in his inner circle, the more of his evil comes out. To the public, you can look it up. His smile, that's his public face. But his private face is pure evil Jesus. and I was with him face to face every day for seven months and so I saw it I saw At the 31 mm -hmm. I wow. saw he's the most despicable man I've ever met uh, but I'm grateful for the whole experience sure. so I saw him abuse all of his staff by yelling at them senselessly for hours um, his spit would be coming out of his mouth he would just be so mad it's like the worst of them the, the worst of the worst that we hear about yeah, yeah. the anger inside of him yeah. billionaire Gosh. the anger inside of him was projected onto anyone close to him and so it only took three days for him to start doing that to me right the first three days he treated me like i was his arm was around me i was his boy and then three days boom i was his slave and so i more tasks were laid on me. He distanced himself from me as far as being nice. <gasps> and so that went on for a long time. And I'm skipping over some glorious details where I stood up to him. Okay, don't. Okay. How did you stand up to him? Okay. Because we've all been there with somebody being shitty to us and we just let it happen over time because we're gaslit into thinking this is the best thing ever. This is the best person ever. I got this grand opportunity and you hit that wall of saying anything. So how did you, what, You're what right. happened there? You're right. It is valuable advice for anyone. How do you stand up to an abuser? Because I have said for years, a deep core belief of mine that I live by and will die by is that uh, passivity in the face of abuse is something I do not abide with. Mm, passivity specifically. Passivity in the face of abuse is something I do not abide with. Okay. And I really learned that with him by standing up to a powerful dragon billionaire yeah, okay. who everyone's afraid of. How did you do it? Well, okay. So set the scene. First example is it was Super Bowl Sunday in February in Times Square. Okay. He had people over to watch a party and me and two other slaves were serving this party food. He started... I don't know, just like bad mouthing us as he usually did. And so I couldn't take it anymore because this was November, December, January, February, mm -hmm. four months in. Mm -hmm. I was getting pretty sick and tired of it. Mm -hmm. So I went up behind, he's sitting on the couch with his people right around him. And I walked up right behind him, put my head this far from behind his ear. Oh, what did I say? I said, oh, I said, oh, here's what I said. Exactly. I said, you can't treat me like a slave. That's not what I was hired for. 
And then I stood back and I just watched him. And you know when he's really mad is when he doesn't do anything. He was just like this. So mad that I stood up, said that in within earshot of the two people right next to him. <laughs> and so and so then I, oh, I said one more set thing. I said, I'm leaving. And so I went and told the other slaves I was working with. I said, I can't take this anymore. I'm out of here. I was so mad. And so I walked downstairs, told the front gatekeeper that I was going back to my hotel room. And he's like, hey, I got Nygaard on the phone here. And Nygaard was calling him, trying to have him lock me in. He's like, I'm supposed to lock you in. And I told that gatekeeper there, the office boy, who I had a good relationship with. I said, man, if you lock me in, that would be your last mistake. And he let me go. And so I walked out. And then Nygaard called me at my hotel room. And I forget what he said, but he had some words with me. And I just said, nah, man. Oh, he wanted me to come back. I said, no, I ain't coming back tonight. But I did go back the next morning. Okay, so that's one instance. The second time I stood up to him is a little bit different. But this, have you ever heard of the phrase, the power of love? Sure. So that phrase, the power of love, came to real life in Technicolor for me in this next example. And it's the only time in my life so far, even with my lovely wife, that I've experienced the power of this thing that we call love. Okay. When we say love is all and all this. Sure, sure, sure. This is the power of love. Okay. You're set. You're set. I'm like on the edge of my seat, man. You're a storyteller for the ages. Yeah. I'm dying over here. So there was one day I was making some breakfast for him and I was supposed to deliver it to him in his bed in his room. <laughs> Billionaires. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's, he's so stupid. This was an everyday thing. I would I would bring him breakfast, lunch, and dinner. God. I would make it and then deliver it to him. Mm -hmm. I lived with him. Yeah. And traveled with him on his private jumbo jet around the world. He's doing really good at making eggs. Oh yeah. What I mean, did he eat for breakfast? Uh, so I developed <laughs> the menu because I I was my official label on his team mm -hmm. on the paycheck was a nutrition specialist okay so i developed because i studied nutrition sure. for a long time sure. um so breakfast was typically uh, a smoothie on the, that i would elixir craft and geez i actually have the in google docs i don't remember off the top of my head but I believe it it was oftentimes... This is your decade-ago story to my decade-ago story yeah, from last... Right, from exactly. Like, my 11 years ago being somewhere else, and this is your 11 years ago. I just put two and two together. That's so fun. So, whatever his breakfast was, I brought it in to him. He was laying in bed with the TV on, and he was doing, like, work on his phone or whatever, just kind of like this, with the covers over him. I brought the food over. And he said something snappy and short to me, you know, like dismissive. And and again, I, I don't remember at what point this was, but it was past the four months. And I just really couldn't take it anymore. I was hurting mm -hmm. inside. Yeah. I was suffering. Even though I could have left at any time. I don't know. I just didn't. Okay. I had to learn this lesson. Mm -hmm. So I was suffering and I wanted the suffering to stop. It was so bad. So... I stopped right there and some words came through me and I said, sir, there's something I have to tell you. I am 
hurting so bad. <laughs> I said, I am hurting so bad right now. I love nature and beauty. And right now I'm inside of these, these walls and there's so much negativity and people are afraid and things are so dark. I just don't know if I can take this anymore. I said something like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then I finished off with, um, oh, here's what I said. It's all coming back to me now. And I said, I'm hurting so bad and all that. And, uh, but there's, sir, there's just one thing that I want to let you know. And he's not even looking at me. Eye contact would be too respectful. He's looking at his phone. And I said, sir, there's only one thing that I need to tell you above all that. I love you. Why? That that was channeled through me. You know those people who are like channels or whatever? Yeah. Those words just came through me. I wasn't thinking. Mm -hmm. I was being like led. The, they were, those words were being pulled out of my mouth. And so then, and I didn't, and then I was shocked hearing that yeah and so then it was silence for what seemed like an eternity yeah i don't know how long it was probably only a few seconds and i was just standing there and he was just sitting there looking at his phone but i was just waiting and then uh, he finally looked at me he looked at me and he and he said so where are you from so he like tried to get to know you. So then we had a conversation, the only conversation we've had. And the room, when I said all of that stuff, felt very tight and the color was like a dark purple. Mm -hmm. But as soon as he mm -hmm. looked at me and said, so where are you from? Immediately the invisible source in the room turned like a pink mm -hmm. and it was soft and, and lovely. Like the essence of love. The essence Literally of love. the essence of love. Washed over the room. Wow. The darkness like parting the sea went away. Goodness gracious. <laughs> and so then we entered in a conversation. I told him where I was from. Like I told him about camping trips I would go on, how much I like trees. Yeah. And then he would, and then he was telling me about him and we could wow. relate. He was like, yeah, because he's from Finland. He's Finnish. So growing up in Finland, he told me about the nature there and how he loved his mom. And this went on, this went on, and I was enthralled. I yeah. felt really good. Yeah. And this went on for about five minutes. And then here's the last thing he said to me. He said, you know what you should do, Whipple? You should go uh, take a break and like go walk around and go see the city. You know, you should do that more often. And I said, thank you, I will. And I did. But then one of his mistresses, because he had a harem of young ladies that he traveled with mm -hmm. everywhere, hit one of his little um, girls came in wanting like money and, you know, to go buy stuff at the spa or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so she laid in the bed with him and said, oh, honey, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so he, his attention went away from me. Mm -hmm. And the room, again, shifted back to the normal state of darkness and greed and lust. And evil. And evil. Yeah. And so I just backed out of the room and took mm -hmm. it for what it was. But that feeling and memory, as you can tell, yeah. lives on in me. Yeah. And, and that, to me, was a real 
world example of the power of love. If so, you just tell somebody who's evil, just stand up straight and say, you know what, this all sucks, but I love you. This all really fucking sucks, but I love you. And I meant it. Yeah. Or it meant it through me. It meant it. Ooh, the innate intelligence that we've continued to talk about. Yeah. So you'd said at the beginning of all this, the story changed your life. like, Or you were given that whisper that you were going to have your life changed by this by an experience and you met this man and then this is the situation is that the thing that changed your trajectory part you could it. say part of it it okay. really opened up you know true. had you already been somebody spiritual and tapped yeah. in like that yeah so this wasn't really like a whoa no. god's real kind of thing it's no. like a you'd already been exposing i had already done that. mushrooms and yeah you know. <laughs> well i mean you say that and laugh but like yeah if you've done a, a mushroom ceremony or if you've taken them you do commune with something well besides the plant, yourself yes the universe you you do one way or another mdma besides drugs yeah like I, before this billionaire guy i used to go out in the hitchhike and i would oh, also yeah, yeah, yeah. I would also have friends, when I did live in Portland, I would have friends drive me out to the mountains, drop me off with my backpack, and I would walk into the mountains for a week at a time and fast, no food, and I would just be alone in the wild nature. That. What? Really? Yeah. And then you're like, you're like one of those people, but you, like, you never know what intricate stories people have going on because like you have your podcast and this is why we hung out and now you're on mine and the floodgates of your lived experience are open and that's the kind of shit you were doing that's wicked yeah what did you learn about yourself walking around the mountains by yourself did you come in contact with any animals what were some struggles oh being out in nature also besides music helped me really develop my ear because you're listening to leaves twigs wind whatever nature sounds you're just if you're curious and listening you're just aware of what's going around the thunder the river flowing in fact fasting for days at a time alone in the wilderness the river starts to talk to you you know those books about buddha and the bodhisattvas and all this and they say oh you listen to the river and it's talking it's true and trees communicate um the I, you know, if said Whipple, are you religious? What's your spirituality? I, if anything, labels. If I put a label on myself, it would be an animist. I believe that the whole of this Gaian matrix is animated. Whoa, animist. Yes. I would say that my religion is communicationism. Yeah. <laughs> While we're making stuff up. Yeah. So we are anyways, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, um, experiences like that early in my life, sure. um, really helped to attune me to intuition and some sense of love. And mm. I'm still learning love cause I still feel closed off sure. in some ways. And it also comes into play of like navigating. It seems like, uh, there is a, a bit of a dual situation happening there, which I think is wonderful. Polarity and dualism is a thing. Where earlier we were talking about your preferences and how, you know, maybe there isn't unconditional love or there's... And then also what you're capable of having experiences with completely fluid channeled love moments and experiences. So there is a bit of like, well, we 
we hold all of it in who knows what we're going to experience and who's going to activate different aspects of us and shine light on something or we shine light on someone else, which then is ultimately just a reflect back at us. Like there is a, it, it's very interesting. Yeah. So, um, with the Nygaard travel story, um, I'll finish it up by saying oh, how shit. I left them. Yeah. We did take multiple trips like, uh, up to Japan, China, Mexico, Bahamas, Canada. This so when I left him was our one trip. Uh, the second trip I went to the Bahamas, mm -hmm. which is where he had his sex trafficking ring, which is where I saw him hanging out with the young ladies who were recruited to these pamper parties. I'm using air quotes, which is what they were called. Were they called that? Pamper parties. Gross. Yeah, and uh, I saw him anyway. Uh, so there was one morning when I was bringing him his morning smoothie. It's, it's tragic that his Bahama compound was so majestic, but littered with such dirty energy. So yeah. I was bringing him his morning smoothie and I was two minutes late. And so I was bringing him his smoothie and extending my arm to hand it to him and he went to smack it out of my hand viciously. Did he? No, because I'm really quick. I'm like a cat. <laughs> I, I walk on a slack line, and so I've developed... Fucking quick man. Yeah, I'm like a tiger. I have quick twitch so muscles. he tried to slap it out of your you hand, can't, but you he... can't slap. You can't slap my hand. I'm too quick. I'm like Bruce Lee. <laughs> yeah. So... So picture, there's going to be a picture in the link. I got to find a way to get a picture of you on this. Cause I don't never do, I don't ever do thumbnails, but I might have to Yeah. this quick as a cat situation. That's fucking funny. Yeah. Okay. So he tries to slap it. Yeah. And he's too slow old man. Cause when I was working for him 11 years ago, he was 71. Oh shit. And he's in jail as a 80 year old now. Yeah. Wow. Good. But, okay. So, okay. So he tries to slap it. And I pull my arm back. And I'm like, that's it. That of seven months of abuse, I was finally done. Man. And and I just turned around. And did you drink the smoothie yourself, or did you put it down? You know, I think I poured it out because it had like bad vibes in it. Fair. Yeah. Really fair. And I'm yeah, I don't eat or drink things that have bad vibes. Sure. So, I walked away, and then he yelled at me in his Finnish voice. He said. I take it you're leaving me. That's how he sounded. Very raspy and powerful. Yeah. And he said, I take it you're leaving me. And then I kind of stopped and halfway turned around like this. And I said, it's kind of stupid. But what I said was, yeah, well, what do you expect, man? <laughs> and then I turned around, walked away. I went to the front office and I told the, the slaves in the front office to book me a ticket back to L.A. Oh. And they did. They did. They, he let me go because they, here's one thing to know about the compound in the Bahamas. <sighs> he locks the front gates. Nobody goes in and out without his permission, even the staff. Fucking weird. And so they opened up the gates for me. I got a ride to the airport and flew back to L.A. And now I'm grateful for those hard experiences because... I know how to say no. Ooh. Okay. So, Pin, saying no as a man is something that's not typically talked about. Hmm. Saying no as a, women, a woman, yeah, I'm like fucking 
shoved down my throat my the need to say no how to say no the importance of self-love and self-care and i it's not necessarily i won't say that it's not the same rhetoric for men or the narrative that they can participate in but and of course they can sure like it's sure it's good advice <laughs> but for for someone what you just said how how do you feel about that being taught at that age and in this experience how to say no and how that's kind of cultivated over the years and it's maybe utility or maybe advice you would give for somebody another man that struggles saying no kind of like acknowledging that this is also a problem for men hmm. like the weight of what you're what you did hmm i don't know i haven't thought about it much i don't feel like there's a ready answer intuitively to that i just um i i don't know other people's paths all i know is mine and that saying no is important to abusers saying no is important to bad business deals mm -hmm. if a client if you don't feel like a client's a good fit but you think you're gonna you need the money i did that in the early stages of my digital nomadism sure i needed money and so <laughs> no i i knew a client wasn't a good fit I have one example I'm thinking of even. I won't go into yeah. the story, but I knew he was a bad fit, but I needed the money and the money was good. Yeah. So I said yes. Ugh. And then three weeks, two weeks into the deal, it went very sour. Ugh. And I had to terminate our contract, all this bad stuff. I had to basically beg for them to give me that paycheck oh, at all. really? You know? Yeah. Uh, so you got to say no to bad business deals, abusers, say no to uh, bad restaurants. You know, if your honey takes you out to a restaurant and you don't like the vibe of it for whatever reason, I've said, okay, yes, and gone through with it. I didn't like the menu, the food, the service, the music. Yeah, you see something. So you see it play out. I see it play out, and I just like, I should have just said no. And it's like that copy and paste experience of the... How many times are you going to let some situations that feel probably really similar before they even happen, happen when you're like, oh, I know what this feeling is. I'm just going to say no. Exactly. Not like, okay, I know what this feeling is, but I'm not going to say no because it just didn't work out that last time. Like I've had that feeling with clients and took it and it was really bad. And then the next time that I had that feeling, I gave, I gave back the $1,500 that they paid in full when the contract said no refunds or anything. We both signed it. It was a whole deal. Before it even started, I gave the money back and said, I don't want to work with you. Yeah. And I do not, absolutely do not regret that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of the same example of we do, we do sacrifice that intuitive knowing for things like money or the fear of confrontation with somebody or disappointing people, even on like nice levels, like the restaurant thing might disappoint somebody who wants to go to that restaurant and doesn't feel the same way about you. But it, yeah, it's like, we have to discern those moments for ourselves and what we're gonna really, the consequences of not listening to your intuition and weigh that. Yeah. I don't know if this analogy will be helpful or useful, but there's a term called sunk cost bias. Never heard of it to sink your costs because of a bias. So let's say you go into a deal, whether it's business or a restaurant or whatever example comes up in your head mm -hmm. and you go a minute into it. Now you're two minutes into it. 
And the more minutes and hours or days that you go into this sour deal, mm. the less likely you, you have so much sunk into this deal that you're biased to it and you can't yeah. turn back. Yeah. And it's you only... feel like you, like every minute gets rid of your option of leaving. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so okay. inevitably, sooner or later, it's going to blow up and go bad. Mm -hmm. Give me an example where it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So sunk cost bias is a term that we want to be aware of. It's like, don't invest minutes and hours into something you know that you need to turn back now. Yeah, because it's like every moment that are, continues to unfold, If it used to sound like, I don't want this. Yeah. I, it, my inner dialogue still sounds like that. It says, I don't want this. And I'll question it and I'll say, what about now? Or what if this? And, you know, I'll argue with myself for a little bit. But I had this, I have, I developed this really, really, really strong, assertive inner dialogue of, I don't want this. And then I started listening to it and stopped doing things and slowly like bridged the gap between my connection with that voice and listening to it, which it took years. I'm not going to say that that was an immediate thing. Oh yeah. So years, but me. there is a way that whether it's a sound or a color or a set of a sentence like mine um, a thought, it's that it probably has a really consistent sound, um, feeling, and it's almost, um, I'm just going to say some type of, like, clairsentience, like, knowing, but it's not quite that, um. It's a spidey sense. Yeah, it's intuition. Yeah. It's like, it's, and everybody can, everybody biologically is equipped with it too mm -hmm. and I think that's what's really special about it and encouraging is that if you're a person you have this spiny sense you don't have to develop you don't really have to develop it you know you just have to let it come through you just have to be quiet for a little bit sit still I mentioned Bruce Lee earlier mm -hmm. he is one of my top five influences in life sure and I do have a list uh, Bruce... Besides the top five, what are the top five? We only have three minutes left. Two uh, minutes left. Let's. It's been a while since I've recited them, but it's Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, okay. a musician named Jaco Pastorius, a musician named Miles Davis. Miles Davis. Is okay, a good one. and I'm forgetting the fifth right now. Okay. But Bruce Lee, one of his phrases that he said was, "I don't hit. It hits through me." So he would say in his writings, because he was a deep philosopher, mm -hmm. if you get your ego out of the way, mm -hmm. the reason why he was so quick is because he, he would get out of the way so it could hit through him. Yeah, this translates into communication mm -hmm. really well, actually. If you, I don't communicate. Something, at times, like your experience with the I love you thing, something came through and that's how we all end up becoming like kind of and our antennas are tuned up to something any or down to something or around to each other anyways like we don't have to i i almost say that we have to do less less personal development less consumption that's why being off instagram is great and being in nature is great it's like there is so much in less which is kind of a funny way to say that, but I think it lands. Yeah. Well, if there's one thing I would leave you or anyone else listening with mm -hmm. is the only tattoo I've ever got or will have. What does it say? It was channeled through 
the consciousness field. Amazing. <laughs> not to sound too... Divi dwell, dwell in, in the, the magnificence, magnificence of, of the, the divine, divine creator's generosity. Creator's generosity. Love that. S straightforward. Yeah, that was a message gifted to me to give to other people. Is a reminder that we are dwelling in the magnificence of the divine creator's generosity. What a beautiful way to end. We have three seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>